Hello, and welcome to another edition of Blue Marble Podcast, featuring the intersection between eco-spirituality and eco-activism. I'm your host, Reverend Sharp Bear, Minister of a Circle Sanctuary, and I thank you for tuning in. As always, I want to give a big shout out to all you eco-warriors out there who work to save our mother, this blue marble planet with all of its wonderful diversity and biodiversity. Thank you to all of you out there who are standing up, speaking truth to power, calling for bold action, defending and protecting our sacred earth and the most vulnerable communities among us, both human and non-human. I hope this podcast continues to educate and to motivate. So today we're going to be talking about eating for the planet and doing it on a budget. And because this live airing, it first airs uh, the week prior to Thanksgiving in 2022, I hope it gives you some great ideas for the holidays, for your meal planning and budgeting, um, and of course, any time thereafter as well. So organic, what, what does eating for the planet mean? Um, I, I said organic, that's kind of the number one thing. It's not really controversial or, or refutable at this point. It's been pretty well established that large industrial agriculture, uh, Conag, really, uh, especially industrial um, animal agriculture, is one of the largest emitters of greenhouse gases uh, today. It's uh, it's responsible for, you know, emission of so much methane, but also deforestation of huge swaths of uh, forest and often virgin forest or old forest that will never be restored um, for cattle grazing and also for growing crops like soy and corn and wheat that end up not feeding people directly with like soy protein or wheat protein known as seitan, but used as feed for animals so that people will get a second source of protein uh, from animal products. So eating for the planet really has become um, synonymous with eating an organic whole foods plant-based diet. That's really what it means organic, whole foods, plant-based diet, hopefully with climate-friendly sourcing for you, meaning it's locally sourced and as much as possible non-industrial. Good luck. It's hard. Um, the food industry has is a mega industry, and uh, you know the, the climate crisis is really demanding that countries are, are looking very seriously at how our food system needs to change um, and how we need to be losing our addiction to needing everything to be convenient, disposable, and disconnected from nature itself. Um, and so there's been a big turning of the tide in what's called the plant-based uh, food revolution over the last uh, couple decades. And even the largest uh, meat growing uh, meat manufacturers like Tyson's Foods, the CEO back in 2016 was saying, you know, we've got to jump on the plant-based food industry. We've got to get product lines and out there. Um, because this is the this is the future of food, and we really need to jump on it. So, you know, why eat plant based organic food? We're not going to spend any time on this podcast talking about the horrors of factory farming or the industrialized agriculture and its constant assault on animals from the time they're born to when they're slaughtered, the assault on communities or the planet. That is the subject of another podcast. This is a fun holiday podcast, <laughs> but I will just say that as former Beatles member, Sir Paul McCartney said back in 2010, he said, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, everyone would be vegetarian. 
So this podcast, however, is going to focus on helping you who already understand the value of plant-based eating or who are really curious about it. It's going to help you know how to do it on a budget uh, when food inflation has gone up a lot this last year. Um, the world is still trying to get over a plague, a pandemic. And also there's been a, a terrible war that has hit all kinds of supply chains. And it takes a while for these things to, for us to overcome these things. It's not a quick fix. Um, in America, the price of uh, food inflation across the board has been 8.2% this last year. And interestingly, animal products have gone up uh, more than anything. Milk and dairy have trended at about 13% increase inflation. Um, it, I just heard the other day that uh, turkey has um, the actual turkey bird has uh, gone up 23% this year. So a lot of people at Thanksgiving this year are considering alternatives to having the the traditional turkey carcass, you know, as the main uh, piece of the meal. Um, and so it's a great time to think about organic, whole food, plant-based alternatives. Um, and of course, inflation is worse in other parts of the world. So my heart goes out to everyone who's struggling um, with food scarcity in any way, shape or form. Um, where I'm coming from, I'm, I'm middle-class American, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable, but I don't have lots of discretionary money to spend. We've been hit by inflation too. And I'm sharing that with you because I live on a budget. I got to lead my family on a budget. Budgeting is not an option for us. Um, I'm also not a Martha Stewart by any sense. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, no way. I, I um, slap together food fast. My husband's been a great cook, but we're busy. We don't have time and we don't have extra money to play around with this. So like so many families, we're, we're trying to, you know, plan food, buy food, plan for holiday meals and festivities on the run with, with increasingly limited dollars. So um, what I'm sharing with you today comes from some um, tried and true principles that have been put out there for a long time by some of the credible sources I'll, I'll name. But it, it, I also wanted to field test this myself. So I've done a six-week field test. I've, I reconned all the places I could shop in my community, in my environment. I've done the planning. I've done all the scrolling and the shopping and the testing. And I can tell you at the end of six weeks here, we were able to slash our food budget literally by 50% every week consistently for the last six weeks. And yet there's been more cooking going on than before. And um, I feel confident telling you that the members of my family would say we've been having delicious and nutritious meals and they are not feeling um, deprived of anything. Um, I just finished preparing for a baby shower that's going on tomorrow because we're in the holiday seasons as they're ramping up and just made, um, you know, plant-based, uh, delicious pumpkin pecan muffins with um, uh, iced frosting, and it's going to be a big hit. And that was a lot of fun. So one, th one thing before we get going too that I want to point out is that vegan, the word vegan tends to be um, inflammatory at the holiday table. It's one of those words that can start an argument for some reason. Um, but vegan is a moral stance. It's not a diet per se. Vegan is it's, it defines a set of core values. And the basic ethic is if you say I'm vegan, you're, you're uh, embracing the ethic that you will not harm animals. You're trying to live cruelty free. You do not want to harm or exploit animals at all um, for food, 
for clothing, for science, for entertainment, for household products, makeup, anything like that. You want to live cruelty free. So that is a, a moral stance. And um, a plant-based whole foods organic diet is, of course, very much in line with a vegan morality. So if, if your morality, if your ethic is vegan, then you're naturally going to want to gravitate toward um, a whole foods plant-based diet. Plant-based diet means featuring the new food plate complex that has been published by the USDA since 2011. Um, a lot of us grew up with the former food pyramid, which emphasized meat and dairy at the bottom tier. Uh, this was very much, we found, um, uh, funded by meat and dairy lobbyists who really wanted to keep that front and center and from the American public as essential. And thinking of meat and dairy as like these large portions as entree items and um, uh, that have to be featured in every meal in the so-called American diet. So that was the food pyramid before. And as you went up, you know, you had uh, grains and legumes, and then you kind of got to the top where there are fruits and vegetables and sugars. Well, now the new food plate complex since 2011 is, is almost inverted. It, has, it emphasizes grains at the bottom layer, all your grains, and then it's got uh, fruits and veggies as well. It's got legumes, nuts, seeds, it's got in another tier, eggs, meat, dairy, fish, in other words, animal products, but that's like second from the top tier on the pyramid and the top tier is sugar and fat. So vegetarian, when people say vegetarian, that is a diet and vegetarian means no animal products at all, excuse me, I'm sorry, no meat, fish or dairy. It, no, it can include dairy, my bad. Vegetarian can include eggs and milk, but it means no animal flesh. That's what I'm trying to say. So no meat, which includes shellfish and poultry, okay? The vegan, again, that vegan ethic is entirely plant-based. So there's no animal product whatsoever. That's just a clarification of terms you might hear. So uh, whether you are meat eating or vegetarian or wanting to go 100% whole food plant-based, it, it sounds like uh, by all medical reports coming out of the World Health Organization that the more you move to a whole foods plant-based diet, the better off you're going to be. My husband and I uh, both have worked for two of the largest healthcare uh, systems in California for a number of years now, uh, Kaiser Permanente and Sutter Health, and they are both uh, promoting very heavily organic plant-based uh, diets, and they're teaching people how to do it. So it is it is no longer fringy. It's not weird, and it is completely mainstream. And there's a lot of health science behind it now to support that um, by eating a whole foods plant-based diet, not only are you helping to counteract greenhouse emissions for the earth, preventing deforestation, preventing unspeakable horror for the animals who are... Um, having to live under just uh, atrocious conditions, not even mentioning slaughter, and then, you know, as mercy for animals, but you're actually doing a lot of good for your own health as well. Um, you're cutting down on heart disease, on cardiovascular disease, even blood cancers and dementia have been related um, to our diet, certainly, and inflammation in the body, which wreaks havoc in all kinds of ways. So um, that's what we mean by organic, um, whole foods, plant-based eating. And that's why you might want to entertain it if you haven't. Now, 
This has been known for a while. So over the last decade, the plant-based uh, food industry has become big business in the United States. Vantage Market Research, which is a global market watch, published in April in 2020 that the plant-based plant food market would grow by nearly $79 billion by 2028. And that global market revenue has indeed increased uh, to 40.21 billion just in 2021. So you, you can find now in almost every single grocery store or warehouse type of store these days, you will find organic and plant-based products embedded in among others or in their own aisles or specialty sections. Um, I mean, it's everywhere. It's in Target. It's in Walmart in the food sections. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if if I would find it at, you know, Ace Hardware. And <laughs> I mean, it's just everywhere. Project Projected on a growth rate of almost 12% a year is the plant-based food industry. So it's big business for already existing companies, including all you've heard of. Uh, major meat manufacturers like Tyson that I mentioned, and also new companies like Beyond Burger, Impossible Burger, Corn, Gardein, uh, Morningstar Farms, uh, Tofurky, uh, Smart Life, so many more smaller companies um, entering the market too. Just about every fast food uh, chain in 2022 test marketed Beyond Burger or Impossible Burger patties and nuggets. And they're keeping them. They're keeping them here in California anyway. Uh, so again, this is becoming very mainstream. But here's the thing. The plant-based food industry has been focused on developing alternative meat sources that are shaped and uh, like, like things you want to eat. The nuggets... Um, the nuggets, maybe little, you know, cordon bleu kind of cutlets or like uh, deli slices or uh, packaged sausages, patties or sausages or nuggets, you know, things like that. So that people who are trying to eat plant based, but who don't want to who, who don't want to miss meat will be attracted to doing this and going, wow, it tastes like chicken or wow, it tastes like a turkey burger or wow, it really tastes like a burger. Um, and you're paying a company to have the expertise to take a pea protein source or a mushroom protein source or a, a seitan protein source, you know, cook it up in big batches, flavor it, shape it, season it, and package it up for you. Um, it's convenient. And I've done that for years. I've, I've uh, leaned on those things for meal planning and, and meat substitution. The only thing is it costs a lot. Just as um, meat and dairy have gone up this year, the inflation on those items has gone up significantly as well. And you're buying small batches of what someone else has cooked, which is very, very different than learning how to work with a basic food basket, which I'll go into in a minute. There is a great CNN special report called Eating Planet Earth, The Future of Your Food. July 2021. It's with CNN anchor and chief correspondent Bill Weir. He's kind of their climate correspondent. Great overview of all the emerging plant-based sources of protein and the positive impact on climate change they're seeing from that. Um, again, that's called Eating Planet Earth, The Future of Your Food, July 2021, um, CNN special report. I highly recommend it. Now, Having said that about the plant-based industry, what I mean by paying them to pre-process your plant-based protein for you and eating their packaged sources of it, what it could cost you on average, I found about a 25 to 50% markup 
over a budget store or homemade. So in other words, if I wanted to buy Tofurky Deli slices or I wanted to buy Impossible Burger uh, nuggets or Impossible Burger patties or Beyond you know, Burger something or other, when I shopped at Whole Foods, for example, or two of my favorite natural food stores, um, uh, you know, New Leaf or Staff of Life, you've got your local co-ops, you know, with that kind of brand identification, it costs me more. It cost me more, anywhere from 25 to 50% more. Then if I went to like, oh my gosh, Walmart. I walked into Walmart the other day just looking for some Propel electrolyte stuff, right? And I thought, oh, I was, I was just walking by the deli aisle and I saw uh, firm tofu, Sprout of Life firm tofu, the exact kind I get at Whole Foods. I found tofurkey packages and I kid you not, they were like 75% cheaper than I would have paid going down the street to a specialized natural food store or Whole Foods. Now I'm not knocking Whole Foods or health food stores. I love them. I've been a member of a Whole Foods co-op forever. If you can afford to go there, awesome, good on you. But we're talking about a budget here. So I'm trying to give you tips about how to do this on a budget and get the exact same products if that's what you're looking for. So the highest cost then to summarize is for alternative meat products that simulate meat favorites like burgers, nuggets, pot stickers, sandwich meats, or for pre-made vegan entrees, plant-based entrees. These are usually frozen in your frozen food section like Amy's or, you know, and these are possible to learn to make that are just as delicious at a fraction of the cost. That's part of what I've been testing is can you make this stuff? Can you freeze it? Can you fridge it? How do you do it? So you are paying for the convenience when you're paying these um, wonderful product lines. And that means you're getting smaller portions and lots of packaging. You can also put out a ton of money for pre-made plant-based uh, plant protein shakes, bars, and snacks. Oh boy, is that a big industry tied into the sports uh, industry. So, you know, the best protein shake I will tell you based on value per ounce I've found is Vega Sport. That's V-E-G-A Sport, but it ain't cheap. At $46 for 19 servings or $96 for 45 servings through Amazon Subscribe and Save, that's not cheap. It'll give you 30 grams of protein and it's good for you, but wow. So shopping around to find the best discounted organic plant-based basics costs less. Loading up on your favorite pantry and fridge basics and just learning how to make stuff costs less, like the old-fashioned way. That's even counting the batches you're going to throw away while you practice, because you will. The best resources for setting up a plant-based pantry and fridge include Forks Over Knives, They've got websites, they've got Facebook pages, Instagrams, Forks Over Knives, Forks Over Knives, they're the bomb. And one of my favorites, Thug Kitchen. That's right, T-H-U-G, Thug Kitchen. Um, they're awesome. So if you look them up and you look up, you know, how do you set up a plant-based pantry? How do you set up a plant-based fridge? I kid you not, once you set that up, um, it really lasts. If you're going all in, then expect a little bit of an outlay for the setup, right? But you'll save every week thereafter. Now, if you're just putting your toe in and just trying it, then try setting up for just one week. Do that for several weeks and you'll get a baseline cost. But the idea of having a stocked pantry and fridge of basics is that you can always pull together quick, nutritious food in a flash, even with presentation. And if you're making a special meal, then you shop only for those added ingredients you need. It's the old fashioned way in a good kind of way.
For the purpose of this field test, I compared pricing at, like I said, two local co-ops, Whole Foods, Costco, Trader Joe's, Safeway, Knob Hill, Grocery Outlet, Food for Less, Food Max, Walmart, Target, and Ranch 99 Asian Market, a local Filipino market, and a local farmer's produce stand. Um, I, I don't have tons of time to shop, but for the purpose of this field test, I spent a couple of hours, two weeks in a row, finding all these places and comparing prices. It was fun. It was a fun sojourn. I went out one day for nothing but a condiment shop. I went out another day for nothing but my legumes and, and grain shop. I'm just going to find bulk this. And I another day, I'm just going to find sauces and spices. And I want, you know, the most authentic and easy to get um, like that. I'm going to go find, you know, what I need to make um, uh, every kind of, of alternative meat that I might want. So that was fun. And then thereafter, I've really only shopped, um, you know, a little over an hour uh, every week. I've told my family I'm shopping Tuesday and Friday, and I'm just getting these things because I meal planned, which I'll get to in a minute. And I know it depends on where you live. If you're in a region where plant-based grocery is common, like, okay, California, popular in every storefront, then of course you have better choices and competitive pricing for those items. I get it. But if you're far from that pro plant-based scene, then you may pay through the nose at only some specialty natural food store. And that used to be the norm. Not anymore though. And yet every store should have grains, legumes, nuts, vegetables, and fruits, a variety of seasonings and condiments, even if they don't carry proteins like tofu or tempeh or seitan. And I say that recognizing that there are genuine food deserts, which most often are in urban city, industrial, or low-income areas where people cannot get fresh vegetables, for example, and fast food chains dominate the landscape. I get it. I mean, I've done a lot of, you know, volunteer outreach with that. And that's where the best source is for that kind of environment. Thug Kitchen is your go-to. Now, they are sass as hell, and every other word they use is swearing. So if that offends you, you won't like that. But I love them because they are funny as shit, and they came out of the South Chicago projects, had a mission to teach their home communities how to eat cheap and reclaim good health by eating a whole food plant-based diet on a shoestring. So they are awesome, power to them, and they're funny. It also depends, I know, upon who you listen to. So please don't go rabbit holing down around the dark web for some nut job advice. I work in healthcare and so does my husband. So like I said, we've worked for Kaiser Permanente, Setter Health. They're promoting a whole foods, plant-based lifestyle for health reasons. This type of diet, which is also good for the planet, is fighting against life-threatening diseases, heart diseases, stroke, diabetes, all, all Alzheimer's, lots of cancers. These healthcare organizations have websites with information available about plant-based eating from a healthy medical nutrition-based perspective. So does the Mayo Clinic, the Johns Hopkins, and WebMD, yes. So, so does the World Health Organization website. So this is now such common knowledge and you don't have to exhaust yourself finding out about healthy plant-based sources of protein. The key is not to get caught up spending too much money on pre-prepared vegan products. You just need to start up a pantry, stock a fridge correctly and set aside some time to cook. For those of you who do this already, I hope you're chuckling because you, you've got this part down. 
And I am enjoying this holiday season, giving myself the gift of exploring fun ways to do something healthy, which involves some real cross-cultural pollination. That's really cool. And tasty while eating for the planet and gifting my loved ones with delicious new tasty treats and holiday meals made from scratch. So let's get to it. Some quick guidelines for plant-based eating to ensure you are not malnourished. Um, you know, think 30 grams of protein per meal aids muscle growth. So if you're trying to work out, you're training for stuff, you're in intensive training, you want to think 30 grams of protein per meal, 90 grams of protein a day, right? That keeps you satisfied, include loads of healthy nutrients like healthy fats, fibers, antioxidants that are missing entirely in meat and dairy. So the dietary reference intake, DRI standard, is 0.36 grams of protein for every pound you weigh. 0.36 grams of protein for every pound you weigh is the amount of protein you should be taking in a day. So a 90-pound person should take in 32.4 grams of protein per day. A 180-pound person, for example, should take in 64.8 grams of protein per day. For example, um, you know, like I said, that Vega sport, that's 30 grams of protein a shake. Well, if that's all you're going to eat for your protein is a couple of those shakes a day, then maybe you can afford to buy it. Right. But I mean, you get a lot of protein in a lot of different foods and it is not hard to get the amount of protein you need. Check out some plant protein superfoods. You've heard them. You may or may not love them, but edamame known as soybeans Everybody thinks vegan, yuck, tofu. Well, tofu happens to be a protein base used in Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Thai, and Vietnamese cuisine, among others. It is one of the most versatile plant protein products you can find. The key is to get organic and in bulk if you can. I get Tofu House Organic Firm Tofu, four, four packs at Costco for about six bucks. I cube up those blocks and batch air fry them and then toss them in different sauces, barbecue, teriyaki, pod thai, Polynesian sauce, for example, garlic, black bean, and throw them into different dishes. From a Vietnamese dessert, I learned how to skim thin layers of silken tofu into a dish, adding mandarin slices and maple syrup to make a pudding-like dessert. Oh my gosh, kids love that. Silk tofu is often used in sweeter dishes and like smoothies and many desserts. One cup of tofu is 11 grams of protein. Better yet, I could buy frozen edamame shelled from Safeway, a one pound bag for the same six bucks. I can use those in salads, stir fries, soups. One cup of edamame is 18 grams of protein. One cup mixed into my dishes boosts protein. So if I wanna cut costs and go bulk, then I can buy a five pound bag of dried edamame from Food for Less at 1.25 a pound, soak them overnight, cook them up, store them in the fridge in a batch and use them in my dishes. Way cheap. Takes the added time of cooking the dried beans. But edamame, soybeans, is also used to make soy milk. So you can throw some of those things in your blender with water and you can learn how to make your own soy milk instead of paying $4.5 a quart, like we do out here in California, right? And that can be used as the basis for plant-based ice cream or what we call nice cream, rich in fruits or chocolate, but using a different plant-based source instead of dairy. So edamame, 
tofu. Don't snub your nose at it. Try playing around with it. And you can go on the web and, and on Facebook and Instagram and find so many recipes for how to work with tofu as an ingredient or as the basis of, um, you know, something like a dessert uh, or a soup or something. Another superfood, black beans, high protein, lower carb, low fat, high fiber, high iron, great nutrients. Can't say enough nice things about this little black bean. And I can get a 12 pack of organic black beans from Costco for under 10 bucks. Each can is 13 ounces. These can be used whole in a stir fry like black bean garlic tofu uh, with mushroom sauce over brown rice or thrown into a blender or food processor straight out of the can, fluid and all, and used as a bean paste sweetened in a Chinese uh, dessert pastry or used as black refried beans in a burrito on a sopa or a tostada with salsa, avocado, onion, shredded cabbage, tomato, cilantro. One cup of black beans has 15 grams of protein. I can cut costs, of course, by buying bulk at Food for Less and cooking them myself, storing them in the fridge once cooked up for a week. Black beans, along with their cousins, the pinto beans and the kidney bean, are a staple in any Southwestern or Mexican cuisine, for example. And they're so incredibly versatile. And frankly, guys, they're hard to ruin. It takes a lot to ruin a black bean or a pinto bean or a kidney bean. Another member of the legumes, chickpeas, chickpeas or garbanzo beans, right? High protein, lower carb, low fat, high fiber, potassium, magnesium. These are also known as garbanzo beans, like I said, and again, like black beans. I can buy organic can, cheap, usually at Costco, maybe at grocery outlet, even at Walmart and Target, I can get organic canned beans or, or I can save extra by getting the bulk dry, doing the work of cooking and storing them in the fridge until I'm ready to use them in a recipe. Always the cheapest way. One cup has 15 grams of protein. Now I love making homemade hummus in my Ninja blender and serving it with pita chips, air fried, veggie sticks or smearing it onto pita pockets for, um, or air fried and stuffed falafel sandwiches. You know, they're also popular snack foods now. Uh, the chickpeas are, you can season them up with all kinds of flavors. And once air fried and seasoned with cumin, example, for a crunchy snack, man, you can pay upward of eight bucks for a bag of those from a health food store. Or you can make a huge batch at home for a party crunchy centerpiece, along with other things you can air fry. Those in a bowl, like dry roasted peanuts, are great party snacks, especially where beer is being served. Three handfuls of those chompers, I've just downed 45 grams of protein for the day, along with tons of fiber and potassium and magnesium. Garbanzo beans or chickpeas, they're featured in Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, and Indian cuisine as a dietary staple. Smart food superfoods, lentils, red, yellow, green. They are a staple in Indian cuisine and it's about all the seasoning. It's about the seasoning. I think it's best to buy these dry in bulk and it, because I, anytime I see them canned or prepared in sort of, you know, stew or cans or soups, you're going to pay a lot more money for that. Um, so best to buy these in dry bulk at any of your discount stores will have them. Uh, best to buy organic and many discount stores will have organic lentils and lentil-based pastas like garbanzo pasta is now a big deal, chickpea pasta mixed in with the non-organic. Uh, they're usually not in a separate section. They're just kind of thrown in to the generic section. So check it out. Um, 
they're not very economical, I think, bought in prepared foods, like I said. And uh, I'm not personally very fond of um, de-thawing uh, frozen plant-based foods. I don't think they taste as good once they've been frozen. That's just me. Um, there are companies that make entire, you know, plant-based frozen entrees, but um, my rule of thumb is, is try to plan for a week and keep whatever you don't eat as a leftover in the fridge, right? And you're going to have two of those meals being uh, repurposing of your leftovers. So that's the goal is to try to finish the food you have uh, in a week. Um, so uh, lentils always cooked, they can be used very well in soups. Um, when cooked, they can be sprinkled on salads. And of course, dal, Indian dal, you know, seasoned lentil dish. One cup of lentils has 18 grams of protein. Yep. Sit down with some garlic naan, couple cups of dal, maybe a red and green dal. Have crunchy chickpeas right there, seasoned with cumin. If you do that at a party, you have dal dip and you have non cut up into squares that you've warmed with garlic and you've got chickpea crunchies, people are going to think you're oh so exotic and you've, you're putting out really healthy, whole food, great protein sources right there. Um, along with that, nuts, nuts. I can never pass up a nut. I love them. Um, almonds, cashews, peanuts, arguably a legume walnuts, they're about six grams of protein per ounce. So um, they're fattier than legumes, not quite as protein packed, but they got tons of other great stuff like healthy fats and fiber. So how many ounces of nuts can one pound down at a holiday party might one ask? I mean, per ounce, six grams per ounce. Well, actually you think about it, a cup is eight ounces. So six times eight, wow, no, that's a lot of protein, a lot, a lot. Think three handfuls of nuts, you're, you're getting tons of protein much for as much as you need for the day if you're uh, under 200 pounds. So no worries about protein consumption there. These are also fantastic in just about every savory recipe imaginable. They add crunch, healthy fat, yummy taste to most veggie dishes as toppers. Uh, nuts can replace meat as an ingredient in many pasta dishes. Uh, almonds and cashews can be blended with water to make a creamy plant milk. You can find recipes on the web for that in a snap. That, and that plant milk can be used as a base for plant-based nice cream, again, or ice cream, you know, with vanilla or maple or agave or chocolate or tiramisu flavors that you can do. Yes, you can do this. I've been doing this. Very versatile and yummy. So if you're going to overdo the calories for the holidays, it's better to do it with nuts. I've never seen any nut dish remain full at a party. And the key here is to buy organic or responsibly sourced nuts. So if you can get them in bulk for a good price, they keep really well for a long time in your pantry in a sealed container. Um, hemp and chia seeds, not just for hippies anymore. It's not a chia pet. <laughs> I was able to find these in every store search. The key again is whether they're organic. Chia seeds come in bags. They're great value. They store well in the pantry. The tip, you dissolve um, for every part, one part chia seeds, it needs three parts water to dissolve in. So I usually take like an empty jam jar that I had, I clean it all out. I'll put in like one cup of chia seeds and then I'll add three cups of water. 
I let it um, become gelatinous in there, keep shaking it up. And I keep that in the fridge and that becomes a source of dissolved chia seeds that I can use for baking, super easy and great. Um, dry, they store well in the pantry. And the uh, one tablespoon of chia seeds into three tablespoons of water. So in other words, when you dissolve it, three tablespoons of chia seeds with fully dissolved equals one egg. So if you keep several eggs worth in the fridge, like I said, in a mason jar, you can, you can use it for vegan dessert recipes or baking. Um, and chia seeds can be put into smoothies if you drink them right away, because they get gelatinous. You don't want them to, you know, and they're great. They, they're great laxatives. I mean, they're great for keeping you regular because all that gelatinous stuff around the seed, that's what, you know, uh, any waste is attaching to. And they just, they just, yeah, they take care of you. They can also be used to make chia pudding, which some people really like. And that's a favorite dessert in the Philippines, uh, like bobo tea and that kind of thing with the gelatinous feel. Lots of recipes online around that. So two tablespoons of chia seeds have five grams of protein. But the big thing is they contain lots of fiber and nutrient and they're great natural, not laxatives, but they keep you regular. Um, lots of fiber. Hemp seeds are also a great, uh, really great ground up in baking. I use ground hemp seeds mixed with whole wheat flour in baking cookies. If I want a rustic kind of cookie, scone or a muffin, um, you can sprinkle them on a quinoa salad or on a pasta dish, but don't ever overdo. Three tablespoons of hemp seeds have nine grams of protein. And, you know, that's really a good, uh, potentially a good protein boost without a lot of calories. So if, you know, like if, if you ever went to Jamba Juice and they said, do you want a protein boost? You know, instead of they have soy, they might throw in hemp, something like that. Well, they're doing that and they're paying you, they're asking you to pay like an extra 60 cents, anywhere from 60 cents to two bucks mm -hmm. for a boost. Um, so having these in your pantry is a really economical way to boost your protein and fiber. Again, they're very good at keeping you regular due to lots of fiber. Finally, amaranth and quinoa. Both of these superfoods are tiny whole grains that are gluten-free, no wheat. They have impressive nutrient profiles. They're rich in protein, fiber, antioxidants, and micronutrients. Even though they have only recently gained popularity as a health food, and if you go to health food stores, you'll pay a lot for them packaged in smaller sizes, but if you can get them in bulk bigger, that's the way to go. These ancient grains have been a dietary staple in certain parts of the world for millennia. Um, amaranth is a group of more than 60 different species of grain that have been cultivated for about 8,000 years. I mean, they were once considered a staple food in the Inca, Maya, and Aztec civilizations. Amaranth is a very earthy, nutty flavor that works well in a variety of dishes. It's a good source of manganese, magnesium, phosphorus, iron. It has 9.3 grams of protein per cup. Quinoa it's often marketed as a superfood and prepared and consumed as cereal grain, but it's not like other cereal grains. It's actually the seed, which is either pink or black, of a plant called, I don't know if I'm saying this right, chinopodium quinoa. Yeah. And it's a it's a pseudo cereal. So it also has a real crunchy texture, nutty flavor, can be added to salads. It's great at thickening soups, eaten as a delicious side dish, and makes a great breakfast porridge especially with uh, vegan, sorry, vegan plant-based margarine and maple syrup. 
again, getting it organic for an economic price is the key. So I got to tell you here, for me, it was worth looking at Amazon subscribe and save to find an organic supply in bulk that I could not find locally. Um, I don't like to overdo Amazon, but their subscribe and save can deliver some things that are just plain hard to find if you're if you're living in a place where that's not readily available. Um, one cup of cooked quinoa had about has about 10 grams of protein, has more fiber than brown rice. So you can mix your brown rice with quinoa when you steam it up. Uh, the most economical way I bought these, like I said, was going to the bulk section at the local food co-op when I went to Santa Cruz. And the good news is you don't have to use a lot of it to get a lot of nutrition. So there are also pastas made out of amaranth and quinoa. Uh, but I wouldn't make that a staple because it's costly and it's not as versatile or as potent as the actual thing. Anyway, that's kind of the idea to get you started on, on the notion of what starts to constitute a basic pantry. If you want to, that's, that is focused on, you know, getting your protein. And if you want to specify more plant-based superfoods, sources of protein and nutrients, one website you can check out is plantbasedwithamy.com. That's plantbasedwithamy.com. She's got a good rundown of plant-based superfoods, and she even offers a free three-day plant-based food plan. Um, the main takeaway, though, is that there is lots of protein in plants, and because plant-based foods are the basis of so many delicious cuisines, you don't have to feel deprived during the holidays at all. Here are some very predictable superfoods that are commonly used in holiday cooking. Bell peppers, asparagus, kale, broccoli, green peas, corn, green beans, strawberries, prunes, figs, wild blueberries, cherries, edamame tofu, chickpeas, various canned beans, olive oil, walnuts, nut butters, nut milks, ice cream, quinoa, amaranth, whole wheat pastas, oats, millet, granola variety, vegetable broth, dark base, and dark chocolate. Okay. That's just a beginning. That's not a limit. But from the superfood basics, along with other basic basket staples, you can make delicious alternative meat ingredients and learn to build a bowl or a basket, which I'm going to get into in a minute. If you, if you start thinking this way, set in a, a, a good plant-based pantry and fridge and just kind of, you know, add to it as things run out and add to it for your weekly meal planning, what it should cost you is what it used to cost when our families lived off of basic food baskets before everything did get fast food and convenient. So here are three principles to go by. And, and this comes out of my experience. Do not buy processed prepackaged meals. Don't do it. Learn to eat from the earth and make it yourself. You can, it won't take long. And it's a fun project for the holidays. Protein is an ingredient. It is not the main event because protein is found in everything. Protein is not some big lump chunk or slab in the middle of your plate. It is an ingredient, not the main event. And this opens up infinite recipes. Finally, save on the pantry fridge basics and splurge only on proteins you honestly cannot mimic. So, you know, 
you're trying to buy less pre-processed, you're not going to buy processed, but save on the pantry, fridge, basics, splurge only if you're going to splurge on stuff you have to fridge, only on proteins. You really can't mimic. Like if I want to do a plant-based nugget, I really can't do that as well. I really will go to impossible nuggets. Yeah, that's okay. It's just, I don't eat it that much and I'm not eating it at all now. Um, how to lay in a low cost pantry. You wanna bulk buy staple grains and legumes. You're gonna spend on seasonings. Bulk buy staple grains and legumes. You get such a bang for your buck and it lasts and you can spend on seasonings. But once you lay in a great seasoning counter and a condiment counter, oh my gosh, that lasts as well. It is so fun to go into my pantry and be able to, oh, I want liquid smoke. Oh, I want barbecue. Oh, look, I want garlic. Oh, I'd like uh, avocado oil. Oh, I have sesame oil. Oh gosh, I want a cumin. Yeah, I want some thyme. Oh, look, I have sage. Wow, right? It is so fun to do that. I feel like I'm an apothecary. I feel so much more like I have my cauldron going and I'm really being a kitchen witch because I'm really laying in the seasonings, the herbs and the condiments. That's what you splurge on. So what needs to be in the fridge? Well, buy just one week's worth of proteins and produce. Cause again, you don't want to throw stuff away and you don't want to freeze it. So just buy one week's worth and we'll get to how you figure that out in a second. The cost savings from my field test for me averaged a cost of about 150 a week. And that was for three adults and three big dogs. Yep. Um, first thing you want to do in planning is honestly start with what you really, really like to eat. Holiday is a time to enjoy foods you really, really like to eat. So focusing, uh, focus on just learning how to make that well. The two things that help me, this kind of comes from forks over knives. One is build a bowl. And the other is build a basket. The bowl is anything that, well, you'd put in a bowl featuring a lot of whole grains um, and legumes. Build a basket is working from anything that's basically like a bread basket item. So build a bowl. You start with a basic protein source, layer on fruit or veggie, layer on toppings, add a sauce or a seasoning. An example would be brown rice at the bottom, maybe with quinoa mixed, layer on broccoli with garlic steamed, layer on tofu topped with crispy onions and quinoa, berries, right? Pumpkin seeds and, um, oh, I'm sorry, that, that was one, ending tofu with crispy onions on top. That's delicious. Or a bowl in the morning for breakfast would be quinoa at the bottom. Then you layer on the berries. Then you layer on pumpkin seeds. Top it off with agave syrup. Yum. So you build a bowl, always with like a, a legume or grain base. Layer on your veggies. Layer on your protein and whatever you have on top, your protein ingredients or you layer on a grain, you layer on fruit, you layer on nuts and seeds and your seasoning. That, that's a simple, basic way to start. Figure out two or three or four or five basic bowls you think you'd really love for breakfast and dinner and learn how to make those well as a starting place. Build a basket. You wanna start with a, a bread source, like a flatbread. That can be a sopa, it can be a tortilla, it can be a pizza crust, corn, cauliflower, wheat. It can be a pita. It can be naan, be a rice wrapper. 
or it can also be a pasta. And add on top of that, uh, whatever kind of protein source you're gonna be using, whether you're using beans or soitan or tofu or something like that, and then add sauce and seasoning, and then put your veggies on top of that and seasonings on top of that. So you're building a basket that can look like, end up looking like a flatbread with pizza. It can look like a tostada. It can look like a stacked naan, right? It can look like a nice wrap, right? It can look like a, a stacked sopa, or it can look like a pasta bed with all kinds of stuff on top that you then mix. So build a bowl or build a basket. Like I say, think of, think of building bowls and baskets that you would really enjoy eating that consist of ingredients that are just delicious for you. Learn how to make them well, and you will get this concept down quickly. The value of meal planning prior to shopping that I found was economical is that I went with the rule of thumb I set for myself is I'm going to make five meals per week. I'm going to make five entrees per week. I'm going to lay in stuff for breakfast and lunch that people can make themselves simple. I'm going to make five meals per week and I'm going to repurpose leftovers two nights a week. So for example, I build a basket of Southwestern egg rolls that I air fried. That's an egg roll that I build with, I used um, Impossible Burgers ground up with ingredients and beans, Southwestern spicing. I air fried that with pico de gallo on top with salad and mango and ice cream. That was a, that was a dinner. That was a hit. Then that was one meal. Then I built a basket of veggie pot stickers with rice. Oh, guess what? I used some of those impossible burgers I thawed and mixed with other ingredients. I had that left over. I made little pot stickers with wrappers out of that. So I built the brown rice, had the veggie pot stickers there, made cabbage slaw on the side and had fresh figs. Another big hit. And those pot stickers and egg rolls are things you can take to any holiday party anytime with side dipping sauce. Another big hit. People will often never know that it's not meat in the pot sticker. Um, leftover night then on Wednesday was uh, a repurposing of those. We pulled those out and said, do we need to add any other side dishes? We're going to finish those off. Then Thursday, I built a bowl of lentil shepherd's pie right? Lentils seasoned at the bottom with veggies in it all over the bottom of the bowl, mashed potatoes on top, right? With, uh, I used the, the plant-based cheese, the diet cheese on top and crunchy onions. And then I had butternut squash soup puree on the side and I made an apple crisp, which was air fried. And boy, was that a hit. Um, that's a nice entree meal if you've got guests coming over. I built a basket of impossible burgers, the burger bun, obviously being the bread basket, the impossible burger. I had air fried uh, fries, um, big salad and chocolate and ice cream. My burgers also were stacked with chipotle, vegan mayo, avocado, sprouts, lettuce, tomato, onion, right? It's gooey. The thing is running down, running down, right? And you can sweep your, your, use your fries to scoop up all the condiments and then chocolate and ice cream with bananas and dark chocolate and monk fruit. Oh boy. Then I built a bowl of corn and potato chowder. And I had Beyond Nugget sliders because I took the rest of the Beyond Nugget burgers that I bought at 10 of them for less than 10 bucks. And I cut them into fourths 
and I cook them and put them into the grand round uh, biscuits that I was able to air fry at two bucks for like 10, stuck them in there. I had Beyond Nugget sliders, put little slices of the vegan cheese I got at the, uh, the co-op, which didn't cost much. And those were Beyond Nugget cheese sliders with corn and potato chowder and mandarin or oranges for dessert. You know, you see what I mean? And sliders are another great holiday food. All was a hit. My family was like, oh my God, this is great. Left overnight, finished up everything else so that nothing was left in the fridge for the next day. So that's an example of how working with this five meals per week, plus two leftover repurposing nights, building a bowl, building a basket idea. You plan for that. You're pulling from your stocked fridge and pantry. You're only going out to shop for the little extra things. Now you heard in there, I, I splurged on the Beyond Burgers because I can't really make that. But man, I stretched those 10 burgers into uh, three different meals. So, you know, that's buying the specialty item for that week. Otherwise, I'm pulling from my staples in the pantry and fridge and planning ahead about what I really, really, really want to eat. And that helps you to plan meals and to do targeted shopping then. So making your own allows you to make more than one meal's worth for lunches and leftovers, whichever works better, saving those meal monies. So the value of food prepping Produce pre uh, prepping, always, if you buy bulk produce, you want to reuse those plastic containers and just wash stuff, chop stuff up, seal it up, have it ready to go. The beauty of batch cooking, when you can, I love an air fryer. I've spent money on my air fryer and on a steamer, a grain steamer, and I use those constantly. Um, you can batch bake, uh, you can batch cook. It, it, things last in the fridge three to five days, uh, whether it's grains or baking or, or, or tofu or whatever. Air fried tofu is just the best. It's delicious and you can season it with everything. Um, and you always want to seal it up in containers. You get so many plastic containers that other things come in. You can wash them out and repurpose them. So you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of fancy Tupperware. Um, and I am in love with my air fryer, my Ninja bullet blender, my rice cooker, and I haven't even used a crock pot yet, but I could. All of those are easy. They're easy to clean. They're easy to use. And they're green energy for us because uh, we have our electricity on solar. So I'm going to give you some resources as we're wrapping up here. A recipe resource hub, Thug Kitchen. Those are those guys from the South Chicago projects I love. They have a cookbook called Bad Manners, Eat Like You Give a Fuck. Hysterical. You can get it on Kindle. Forks Over Knives has a Facebook and a website. Plant Strong from Engine 2 Rescue Diet with Rip Eselstein. Another great recipe. Uh, they've got Instagram, Facebook, Plant Strong. Vegan Chef Facebook pages. Oh my goodness. Just start looking up the vegan groups on Facebook, on Instagram. Follow them, like them. You can unfriend anybody you don't like who's bugging you or you can unfollow, but you will find so much information with people sharing notes about cooking plant-based. Um, there are plenty of YouTube videos. I can literally go, oh, let's see. I want to make this. Let me look up... Uh, 
uh, vegan, this and that, or plant-based, this and that. And I'll come up with so many websites, YouTube videos, you know, um, search around, like follow or bookmark the ones you like, and they will start posting all kinds of holiday ideas any day now. And just browse plant-based holiday recipes if you want to start. And a few of my go-tos this season are these plantbasedcooking.com, eatplantbased.com, eatplant-based.com, prettybirdkitchen.com, nomeatathlete.com, and foodrevolution.org. Any recipe hub that includes free plant-based recipes. All of these sources will have ways you can give them money, of course, books, products, donations, et cetera. And by all means, support whom you want to if you've got the money to spend. But you can also just access the information for free if you're like me because you're on a budget. So things are worlds different than when I was a new vegetarian literally 45 years ago when everyone around me thought I was crazy for wanting to be a plant-based and my physicians actually told me I would die here I am at age 62 years young with low cholesterol, great EKG results, low blood pressure, a healthy BMI, and virtually no medications. Final suggestion. If you are in a household with multiple eaters and they aren't used to plant-based eating or they're resistant to it, don't make a big deal out of it. Just let folks know you want to try some new recipes for the holidays that you're exploring and trying out stuff and start planning. Keep the meals they absolutely love and keep on just introducing more. Try taking some plant-based party treats to holiday events. Go looking for them on the web. You'll find plenty of ideas. And before long, you'll know what your family and friends love. You'll have a list of favorites and re definite repeats. And the time to talk about why maybe you're doing what you're doing is when they're loving it and asking you because they're already sold on it. Well, that wraps up this installment of Blue Marvel Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you value what you heard here today, please share this information with others. New Blue Marble Podcasts air live on the third Friday of every month and are available for listening anytime after they air through the Circle Sanctuary channel on Blog Talk Radio. Here's what you do. Go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash CFNP. Search for Blue Marble with Rev Shar Bear, and you will find the archive of these podcasts. Click on any you want to hear. Copy the link URL of that podcast and share it with your friends. You can also follow our podcasts on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash CSN podcasts. Finally, you can find a complete archive of, I mean, hundreds of programs by all of our excellent podcasters on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org under the CSNP tab. So until next time, this is Char Bear signing off. Thank you for all the good you do. Stay true and blue. And hey, I hope to see you in the green space. Be well. <laughs>